Today's reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 8. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brian. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. There are 168 hours in a week. And I don't say this next thing to shame you. It's merely an observation. But for the vast majority of you, you will spend one out of those 168 hours in church. As a percentage, that is 0.0059% of your week. I work as a pastor, if I'm being disciplined, 45 hours per week, and I guess that when I'm preaching, a good 10 of those hours are spent writing a sermon, meeting with Ange and Beth, and all the other things I do to prepare for Sunday services. As a percentage, that's 22% of my working hours. So 22% of what I do for work is spent in service of the 0.0059% of your week that you give here. 
Now, if I'm super honest, there's a part of me that wants to seize these statistics and light a little fire under you, like, surely you can do better than that. (laughs) Come to church regularly. Get involved around here more. Give us more of your money. Serve on a committee. Be present here. But then... The Bible gives us the story of this Ethiopian eunuch. And I know I have to give a different sermon. See, this man is returning from Jerusalem where he has just gone to a big church. And yes, I know it's technically the Jerusalem temple, but go with me here. And at this church, he's found many things beautiful buildings and grounds, excellent music, charismatic clergy with pithy sermons, and high worship attendance. But he did not find one thing, and that was a place for himself in his particularities and in his questions. You can see that he's still dissatisfied after going to this church We find him in this story pouring over scripture with frustration, wanting to know what it means, feeling like even though the church gave him this really slick and user-friendly experience while he was there for that one hour, the church didn't take the time to consider what was occupying his life for the other 167 hours of his week. And the church didn't give him a place to process the events that were happening in his own life and the questions he had about his faith. The problem with these good people this Ethiopian eunuch encountered at the Jerusalem temple is that they have forgotten where God is and why we even gather together for worship in the first place. This is, to be fair, probably their pastor's fault. I know this. As a pastor, I spend 22% of my time thinking about this one hour that we spend together, and I probably spend 90% of my time thinking about this building and what happens within these walls. And I want everything we do here to be good and meaningful I want relevance and connection, and I work hard. (laughs) And the temptation in it is for me to assume that this 0.0059% of your week that you spend here is the most important or essential thing you will do in your week. And if I preach and lead as though our worship life or our church programming ought to be the most important thing that you do, that this is where God shows up, I am training each one of you to look for God here and only here. I'm telling you to turn your focus from the things in your life and in your communities and toward the things that happen in this building. And soon, all of us are looking inward toward the center of the church. 
And this is fine for an hour a week, but what this means is that we are likely missing the people when we're facing inward who lie beyond us and behind us. We miss the Ethiopian eunuchs who come wandering in through these doors. We certainly miss the God who is showing up all over this world. What we do here together in this hour, and what any church does in this hour, is to train people to look for God showing up in the world and where God is going to do that. The eunuch visited a church that trained him to look for God in this one hour of his week, and he left feeling frustrated and dismayed. What I really want to know about this Bible story is what church Philip is going to. Because Philip's church isn't looking inward. Whatever else they're doing, Philip's church is training disciples to expect, expect God to show up in an active way in the 167 hours of their week not spent in church. Look at Philip in this text He has such a confidence that God is loose in the world. Philip has heard something at his church that has allowed him to listen to the Spirit, calling him not to a church committee, but to this road in the wilderness and to the unlikely man he meets on it. Philip engages this man out in the world, right where he is, in the midst of his questions and concerns. And because of this authentic engagement, because of Philip's confidence that God is somehow at work in this stranger, this eunuch asks one of the best questions in all of Scripture. Look, he says, Here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And I love this question for so many reasons. Most obviously because it shows that the eunuch has grasped the broadness of God's grace. But also because it shows the eunuch making the connection in a profound way between what we do here in worship in this one hour and what we do in our lives for the remaining 167 hours of the week. This Ethiopian man is making the beautiful connection that the waters on the side of the road are just like the waters in the baptismal font at the church he's coming from. He's realizing that when God comes to this world, God comes to all of it. And when God comes to our lives, God comes to all parts of them. He's learned the small story of Jesus. And now that serves as the key to interpreting the bigger story of the world. He's now seeing the whole of creation in light of God's mercy and grace. To me, the beauty of this story isn't that the eunuch comes to believe in Jesus. It's that his newfound faith 
immediately starts connecting with the world around him and he can't stop thinking about all he loves and all that he struggles with in this life and in this world in the light of God's presence and mercy and love. The witness of this man from Ethiopia joined to Christ's body in a baptism, not in a church building, but on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, is leading me to say something that's hard for me to say as a pastor. Church should never be the most important thing in your life. What church should do is what Philip did for this eunuch. What we do here should help you see whatever it is that is the most important thing in your life in light of God's presence and mercy and love. This is not the most important hour of your week. What this hour is is a key to interpret where and how God is present in whatever the most important hour of your week ends up being. Everything we do in this one hour is to help illumine the other 167. What worship should do is to give you clues as to where else in your life and in the world that God might be showing up. This worship that we do in here trains us for where to look for God outside. And so when we tell stories from Scripture in worship, yes, we do it because they proclaim God's love and forgiveness for all of creation, but we also do it in the hopes that you will find God in the midst of the stories you hear on the news, the stories that others share with you, the words of the poets, and the stories that you are living in your own lives. When we break the bread and share it here, yes, we do it, because Christ has commanded us to do so, but we also do it so that you will look for God showing up at the breakfast tables in your home and in the break room, and at the school cafeteria, and any place where things are passed around and shared. When we baptize someone, yes, we do it because God has promised to be present there, but we also do it to train our vision to search for God in new beginnings, and in communities of strangers or friends, and in the waters of this fragile earth. God may be in here for this hour. God maybe has even called you to be here. But God only does that so you can hear God's deeper call to be in the world and God's promise to be with you as you go into the world. Amen.